Welcome back to Serial Bold. Patrick, what a week one we had. That was one beautiful opening weekend of college football. Um, we'll get into some games here, the big ones, the takeaways, and then we'll talk about kind of a weekish week two slate. Yeah, we, we got some decent ones in week two, especially based on how a few teams sit in week one. But yeah, it's after the high of week one, the week two come down is always, always pretty tough. Uh, before we get to that, we're going to get to some news. Some great news. Wake Forest starting quarterback Sam Hartman has been medically cleared to return to competition by the school's medical experts. He missed the first week of the season and some practice time due to a blood clot issue, but it seems like we are all set there. Oh, that's great news for the De- Demon Deeks. Definitely yeah. like something they need going into conference play is his quarterback play. So yeah. good for him. The backup looked good last week, but that was against VMI. You can't really take too much away from that. Texas Tech starting quarterback Tyler Shuck will miss at least the next two games and likely longer because of left shoulder injury. That hurts for the Red Raiders. Yeah, that's definitely a guy they were leaning on to, you know, get them to improve a little better. So being out for a few weeks is um, at least we're going to be happy with it being two games because, you know, you got probably non-con games coming ahead. But if he's healthy by conference play, they should be okay. But it's uh, definitely a blow losing a quarterback. Yep. Speaking of losing quarterback, Liberty quarterback Charlie Brewer is out six to eight weeks after breaking his hand in the win over Southern Miss. I hate it for the player. Charlie Brewer's had a really tough go of it with injuries, uh, concussions. He's This is his third different school. However, bad things happening to Liberty are good to me. So Yeah, agree. Mm, P.U. Liberty, sorry for Charlie. All right, well, let's get into week one. And let's just rip the Band-Aid off now for myself. Ohio <laughs> State 21, Notre Dame 10. Ned, 10 points. I mean, hey, bright spot here is that Ohio State only dropped 21 on you. So, I mean, if anything I, I saw from that game is how – I was kind of impressed with how the Notre Dame defense hung hung with. And it, it, was, it was definitely kind of a slugfest there. Um, but – I don't think that could have gone any worse for Notre Dame. Oh, it what could do have you gone. Think? Yeah, I mean, I think what I saw early was Ohio State was not ready for Notre Dame. Yeah. They were playing scared. Notre Dame was getting the bigger plays. They're making bigger hits. Um, it was really disorienting as a Notre Dame fan. I said, surely here comes the big Ohio State play. Well, here it comes now. And in the first half, we didn't have any of that. And I think the plain scared thing is comes down to coaching. Ryan Day's a coward. It is unbelievable watching him try to coach. Yeah, he 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 gives off that vibe of like he can like you know, he's in a fight or flight. He's running. He's out. They were, You're in a bar fight. He's he's already running away, calling the police somewhere. Multiple times, Ohio State had fourth and short, fourth, second, three around midfield. And you have C.J. Stroud, and you have Travion Henderson, and you have all these players. And as we saw, Notre Dame couldn't move the ball at all. And he was just content to punt the ball away and play the field position game. It was strange to me. I just kept thinking Ohio State is letting Notre Dame hang around. But credit to Ryan Day, credit to Ohio State. They flipped the script in the second half. They out-physical Notre Dame. Um, on the lines, on both offense and defense, and stuck to the power running game. Um, more of the – mine, Williams, is more of the thunder to Travion Henderson's lightning, uh, you know, comparison to the old Reggie Bush, Lindell, White backfield, and 
as the game wore on, it was really effective. You know, Notre Dame has some decent players on the defensive line. Ohio State erased them. And, and to begin with, only one sack for Notre Dame. Um, you know, if you look at the game plan, they needed more than that. And, and Stroud, sure, he had a couple of escapes, but he wasn't running for his life the whole game. Um and well, and Stroud also struggled because they lost Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first quarter, and that kind of kind of derailed what they were going to do offensively. But I was pretty surprised with how usually people talk about Ohio State being too of a pass happy offense. So I was pretty surprised when on the second half they came out and they seemed to just run run the damn ball. That last drive that essentially iced the game was like fourteen plays, ninety five yards, ten of them yeah. were rushes. Uh, which yeah, is, which is very surprising. They just um, went. They just went right at him, and uh, in a word, Notre Dame they were just worn down because the the offense couldn't stay on the field for Notre Dame. Only seventy two second half yards um, after starting eight of eight. Tyler Buckner was only two of ten the rest of the way. Yeah, that was brutal. He he struggled. He missed a few reads. They bottled him up pretty effectively in the run game. I think Notre Dame really needs to find someone other than Michael Meyer. Yeah, you got to – yeah, Lorenzo Stiles. That's kind of concerning for me with you fighting Irish. He had had a 54-yard catch on the first play of the game, and then they didn't go back to him at all. It was – and I know Buckner didn't have a ton of time, um, but – and Jared Patterson being out, uh, forced some shuffling on the offensive line, and that interior offensive line really, really struggled. Notre Dame couldn't get anything going on the ground at all, and so Ohio State just didn't have to respect that and was able to confuse the first-time starting quarterback uh, pretty effectively. I, in, like you said, Notre Dame, due to um, some poor recruiting from the former wide receiver coach, Dell Alexander, who was let go by Marcus Freeman when he took over, only played four scholarship wide receivers on Saturday. That that's that's an issue, and it's going to continue to be an issue. Um, you know, not against Marshall this week or Cal next week, but when they play Clemson and BYU and USC, it could come back to bite them again. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to give credit here to Ohio State's defense was something that was kind of a joke last year at points. Um, but I, uh, hiring a really competent coach makes a difference. Jim Knowles came in first game. Aside from that 54-yard pass that started the game off, Ohio State only allowed like 199 yards after that moment, 4.2 per play. Um, Notre Dame was only able to get 58 yards of 19 carries, and they sacked Buckner as many times as he had completions in the second half, twice. Yeah. So – Jim, I'm going to give credit to Jim Knowles here. I mean, that, that was some stellar play. Um, I know Notre Dame might not be up to snuff offensively, but that can easily, you know, Notre Dame could get it together in a few weeks. It's the first game, the first week of the season. There's always a lot of overreactions. Like, oh, that team's a bust. Uh, you know, this is, could be the greatest, like Anthony Richardson, Heisman hopeful, you know. But um, <clears throat> it's – Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of that coming from me as we go along later in the show. That's so, right, that's teams. right. Uh, okay, the ne- the next one, uh, whatever the opposite of ripping the Band-Aid off, <laughs> Georgia 49, Oregon 3, in a game that yeah. wasn't even that close. Yeah, I got drunk on love with this game, man. Um, I mean, the biggest question for me going into the season was if Georgia's defense could keep it up with how much they lost and, you know, maybe splashing a little bit of a title hangover. But from what I saw, they can play very well hungover. Um, 
<clears throat> they had touchdowns on each of the first seven drives of the game. They only allowed a field goal to a number 11 team ranked Oregon. Um, <clears throat> I will say that, yes, the defense played well. They only allowed three points with Oregon. But in terms of what, if I look at last year's defense, this t- defense doesn't really shape up well. Um, they only had three tackles for losses. They didn't sack Bo Nix once. Um, they didn't allow three and out until the fourth quarter. So there is some defensive efficiency issues that I'm worried about. But, I mean, they kept the ball in front of them defensively. They did not let Oregon beat them deep anywhere. The only time they challenged – I think they challenged deep twice. Freshman five-star um, Malachi Starks played that ball like a veteran. Turned, made a pick. It was – Yeah, that was a that was a great play. He, he, I mean, he had 50, 52 snaps on the day, too. So they're relying a lot on him. And he showed, like, the secondary for me was a big worry. And when I saw that play happen, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but, I mean, they had plenty of guys rotating in as usual. A lot of new players getting in. So this offense is going to have, for how well it's been playing with this game, it's going to really help the defense gel down the line, I think. Um, but, man, that offense, dude, Stetson Bennett, I think, got Heisman hype after this game. Just like, oh, maybe we should, you know, watch out for this kid because he was slinging the damn ball. Yeah, he he really was. He was playing, you know, maybe there was a lot of – for years it seems like – it didn't seem like – Kirby didn't want to give him the starting job. Yeah. And so maybe this year now with the national championship – he has that pressure off of him, and he's just able to relax and feel secure in the starting role and just step up and sling it. And, and when you're slinging it to guys like Darnell Washington, um, Brock Bowers, Adonai Mitchell, Lad McConkey, Kenny McIntosh, it, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and a, a lot of times when you see an, an offense have – like the sets of better through to 10 different guys, 10 different players caught the ball. Usually sometimes you think maybe they have depth issues – in certain positions, they just have quality players across the board. Um, Kenny McIntosh, the running back, was the leading receiver with 100. Like I think he had 170 yards after the catch. He was very good out of the backfield. Um, I'm sure you saw that one play. I talked about it a, a bunch in our group chat. Um, <clears throat> that Darnell Washington, uh, oh, it was yeah. like a, it was like a four yard pass, but they, he was able to shake off a wrap up tackle that usually you go down on. Shake shake it off. Keep going down this right sideline, still able to hurdle someone full speed and get another ten yards. It was like a twenty-five yard play. Oh, by the way, that dude is six foot seven, two hundred and seventy pounds, um, and that was like not even their best tight end last year. So they they are loaded there across the board offensively. Stetson Bennett looked incredible. He had that one play where he rolled out right and eluded like four defensive like. Four guys coming right up in the sack and was so able to find Ladd McConkey in the back corner all by himself. Um, Stetson is really like, I, I talked a lot of trash about him throughout the years, but what I saw from him was he was able to read second, third, and fourth receivers very well this game. I think that's due to a really good offensive line, and he was able to do it also with pressure in his face. So that that's definitely, he definitely put himself on a Heisman list for me this game. I mean, he had 368 yards. Um, and three TDs. So he played, he played really well. Um, Oregon, we can, we can talk up Oregon, everything, but uh, Georgia, but Oregon, man, they didn't show much. Uh, I mean, clearly you could tell where the talent was. They don't have the talent there. Um, 
a key stat that I found really interesting is the past three games where Oregon has played someone worth a damn, they've been outscored 125 to 20. So that's a little bit concerning. Oregon, you know, always getting the hype to be the best Pac-12 team out there, but if they they can't even. Right now, they haven't been able to shape up against anyone good recently. Yeah, I mean the, yeah, or Oregon. I I think Lane. I mean, he came from Georgia. He knows what it's going to take. But I, boy, any optimism I had about them. Uh, they, they were pathetic. Well, it was not oof. good. Yeah, that, that's what it was. It was just no fight. You know, no, even they, with like the defense they were going against, they could have probably beaten that defense. Just the you know they weren't they weren't able to get home and go next anywhere. Yeah, that you know going back to the Notre Dame game, that was a team that was out talented, out game planned, and everything. But they hung in there and fought the whole time. Oregon just rolled over. That that's an issue for me, um, and something to watch going forward. Elsewhere in the SEC Pac-12 Challenge Cup, Florida 29, Utah 26. Uh, you know, we both got this one wrong. Florida was very impressive. Uh, they got punched in the mouth, I think, was it two minutes into the game? Utah scored a touchdown. Yeah. And, okay, well, here we go. This is kind of what I expected, but they battled the whole way back. This was the probably, I mean, gosh, there's so many games to pick from. This was certainly the game of the evening. Um, before it came down to truly a awful interception. Yeah, a dumb pick. That was forced it, into double coverage. Cam Rising was just like, fuck it, right? On, on second and goal, like he had everything to lose in that play. It was so stupid. Yeah, he. they were marching down the field. They, they got the ball at, at the 35, and they just quick first and 10. With uh, Sorry, there's 85 seconds left. And they got to second and goal at the Florida six with 17 seconds left. They were feeling good. They were they were looking good. And yeah, he just tried to force a pass on second down. Plenty of time left, and it easily picked off. And, and Florida just kneeled it down for the win. Um, for me, as nice as Anthony Richardson was, as well as Florida's defense stood up. This is about Utah for me and their failures here. I mean, Cam Rising. Was pretty efficient, twenty-two of thirty-two, but only two hundred and sixteen yards. They couldn't get any um, consistent big plays from from their offense, and that's that's concerning to me. Yeah, um, this was a team that I had pegged as a dark horse playoff team, and the way that they played against Florida, who has been ranked like the fourth team, fourth best team in the SEC East, it's not a good look. Um, certainly. Uh, I think it's safe to say the Pac-12 is probably not going to be respected again for a long time. They're definitely not this year. They're now 1-8 against the SEC in week one, so they've never been able to fare against better Power 5 conferences right now. Um, <clears throat> it's definitely very disappointing for Utah. I mean, they'll probably still bounce back, obviously, and maybe make an NY6 Bowl, but it was definitely a down game for Cam Rising, like you said. I will say, like, the only bright spot on that team was their wide receiver, Brant Canthy. Um, he went nine for 105 in the touchdown. He, I mean, he looked very, very good in this game. Um, but there wasn't really a lot of a passing attack with him even. So it's just been – it was not a brutal – it was a brutal game for Utah. But I, I, on the other side of the ball, Florida played very, very well. Um, Anthony Richardson, or I like to call him AR-15 – um, he got that dog in him. 
uh, yeah. he, was, he was making some, he was doing some shit back there, man. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just so, you just never know what you're going to get with him. And he's so physically gifted and big that he can sort of, you can get the Bo Nix experience in, in a, in a uh, harder to tackle package. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch this yes. year. Um, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Saturday uh, against Kentucky. I, I, will, I will say that I can see why Dan Mullen's a TV analyst now. Um, he had that guy for about two-thirds of the season last year healthy, but he chose to play that old Emory, Emory Jones. Um, yeah, so thank you, Dan Mullen, for getting that one wrong. Because I, I think he, he – I know he's like a lot of people think, oh, man, you know, someone um, someone related him to Vince Young, the second coming of Vince Young. I was like, okay, hold on for a second. No. Like, yeah. hold on for a second. But, I mean, he did show flashes of that greatness. Like, Spencer Hall said that he that one 45-yard score he ran gently excused himself from a tackler, being able to just juke his shoes out. Um, had that really cool pump fake. That yep. just threw two guys off guard and able to sling it right to a wide open dude in the end zone. So he, he had some really stellar plays. Um, <clears throat> and I thought, you know, Billy Napier wouldn't let him sling it for a while, but he kind of crushed it. And for a guy, a Georgia fan, I got a, maybe I got a little bit more scared for that largest, uh, um, largest outdoor cocktail party in the world. Just a little bit. Um, I, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I think I think it's fun to have have that week week one overreaction. I'm still not super high on Florida, but they definitely didn't deserve going to number twelve. I was about to say the voters are very high on them. No, no, well, that's an overreaction. You at least put them in like the low teens, upper twenties, yeah. and then if they beat Kentucky this weekend, then you then you give them that big ranking. But right. you gave them twelve; they're going to come in hot. I, well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. Our, our next game. Uh, another candidate for game of the day, Cincinnati, Arkansas. It was a little slow going. Arkansas led 14 nothing at halftime. Ben Bryant for Cincinnati looked particularly confused. But Cincinnati came roaring back to make this a, a hell of a game at the end. Um, I, you know, Arkansas took the punch from Cincinnati and, and just kind of closed the game out. K.J. Jefferson was great. Again, almost 300 yards of total offense. Four touchdowns, no turnovers. And to, to me, this this was an impressive showing by both teams. I think both teams can come out of this game feeling good because Cincinnati showed that – I mean, they, they just played an SEC team on the road close uh, without Sauce Gardner, without Kobe Bryant, without Desmond Ritter, without Jerome Ford. And Arkansas, you know, beat a team that was in the playoff last year. You know, I, I think both teams should be feeling good after this. I somewhat agree with you. Yes, it's nice that Cincinnati was able to keep up with Arkansas, who is a great team by all means. They're fantastic to watch, but they haven't really been the SEC perennial teams of late, but they they, they have been fantastic. Um, I do think there has been a drastic drop-off offensively with Cincinnati since they lost Ritter and Jerome Ford, the running backs. I mean, Ben Bryant looked fine, but he didn't really impress me. I think – Brand Bryant looking fine is charitable. I don't think he was very good. Yeah, I mean, this offense sabotaged itself many times with penalties and turnovers, including a fourth-quarter strip sack by Arkansas's Jordan Dominic, which swung yeah. the game into the Razorbacks' favor. So they're, they're, it, it was disappointing for me. I knew Arkansas was going to win this game just because 
it's Arkansas Sandpaper Wampum style play is fantastic to watch. They're a very talented team. KJ Jefferson's an amazing quarterback. He's gonna, you know, be something great maybe down the line. Um, <clears throat> there is a little bit of concern of who's gonna step up in that Traylon Burks role, but uh Trey Knox looked really good, six for seventy-five and two touchdowns. Um my takeaway from this is this is this is a great start for Arkansas getting a win over the one of the college football playoff teams last year. Even if there was a drop-off offensive with that squad, they're not playing the same team, obviously. But it's it's a huge win to start the season off for the Razorbacks. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and Arkansas gets right into the thick of it with South Carolina this weekend. Uh, I think that's a fun matchup. I don't really know how I feel about SEC football starting this early at conference games, you know? Yeah. It does feel coming like a little bit earlier, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, finally getting out of the SEC. Um, we do have SEC bias here. Everyone knows it. Uh, Pitt 38, West Virginia 31. In This was the first game back on, on week one on Thursday night. And what a game it was. This was another one that started off a little slow. It was only 3 nothing after one. Mm-hmm. Then it was fireworks time. Yeah, what a great way to start off week one. Yeah, I was I was loving every second of it. Uh, and bet a super bad break for West Virginia wideout Bryce Ford Wheaton, who was I think for my money the best player on the field. I, and- I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you you have that guy like highlighting his plays because he's going to get knocked for that last play of the game. Yeah, um, that I, I felt so bad for him because. Up until that point, he had nine catches. He had 97 yards, two touchdowns. It looked like no one could stop him. And then one bad play, he you know, he starts running before he catches the ball and perfectly volleyball sets it up straight in the air. Easy pick six for Pitt. And, and you know, that, that that was the game right there. Yeah, he, he was definitely one of the bright spots for me on this in this game for West Virginia. Um, he definitely – he also made plays on special teams too. He was all over the field. <laughs> yeah. But um, that, that one – that one play is gonna that cost him the game. A lot of people don't remember that, but other he was great. JT Daniels, on the other hand, didn't really impress me much. He was fine. He was fine in this game. Yeah. But not much else was going for him. Twenty three or forty for two fourteen, two touchdowns and a pick for that one pick. But um, <clears throat> they do have really good talent with wide receivers. They were able to run the ball, which was surprising to see. Um, C.J. Donaldson's a freshman who had yards, uh, runs of 44 yards and 39 yards, and um, he also blocked a punt. So that was another price for the Mountaineers. Yeah, and Slovis for, for Pitt, very efficient, almost 13 yards in attempts. Uh, the, the running game wasn't as good, 39 carries, no. six yards. Granted, I mean, even if you take out the sack yardage, we're only going up to ninety-six total yards there. That's that's not gonna that's not good enough. Um, I got some beef with Pat Narduzzi. I'll tell you that. Oh, um, dude, he is such a moron. What do you, first off, what he said, like what he said after the game, you're stupid. Stop. Yeah. Um, you, you just want a huge rivalry game at home, and the first and thing you're you gonna bitch is, about is ESPN running um, a graphic. That is like, just such classic fake news. Fake news, brother. Shut up. Dude, and uh, <clears throat> he also, I'm convinced, hates offense. I guarantee you, he hated Kenny Pickett when Kenny Pickett came here and slang slang the ball with them last year. He probably hated it because what they did Thursday night that was not fun at all to watch on offense. 29 no. plays out of 33 were under center, 3.5 yards per play. When they went like out of shotgun, the few times they did, it was almost nine yards per play. 
So it, I just didn't get it at all. Like, what are you doing, Narduzzi? Yeah, he definitely just wants to win his way and is mad when he doesn't. If he goes into next this weekend against Tennessee, yeah, you're getting your ass blown out, bro. Yeah, I think Tennessee's going to torch them. Yeah. Okay, uh, some quick hits here. Uh, Houston 37, UTSA 35, and that was an overtime. Houston had to have a crazy comeback from the Alamo Dome. Um, you got to love to see it. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, UTSA really shows that they want to supplant Houston as like the Texas team of the G5 and would like to win the conference, USA, I imagine. Um, yeah. And they looked like they were going to do it. Uh, they were 21-7 to 7, uh, up on Houston for a while, and Houston had to win the fourth quarter, and they won that quarter 73 to take it to overtime. So it's encouraging that UTSA can hang with a team like Houston of that caliber for them. Um, but neither of them could run the ball. Clayton Toon, both the quarterbacks look great. Clayton Toon for Houston did well. Frank Harris for UTSA did probably better. Um, but it, this is just overall a fun game to watch. Yeah. A lot to like Frank. Yeah, Frank Harris from UTSA. He, he's a lot of fun to watch, and I love that he wears number zero. Yeah, that's More great. To do that. Speaking of zero, that's how many wins Brian Kelly has at there LSU. It is. There it is. You can't spell L without LSU. Yeah. So after beating Florida State last year in Tallahassee with Notre Dame, he can't beat Florida State in Louisiana in New Orleans. Uh, with LSU, despite quote unquote having better talent and being a better place, I mean the massage tables at LSU, the facilities. How could anyone struggle so badly? Uh, <laughs> let it go, let it rip. The one coach who came with you, the only coach who wanted to come with you from Notre Dame, is the special teams coach, uh, Patrick. Can you remind me how what is the combined number of muffed punts and blocked kicks in this game? Ooh, it was like. I think like two, maybe two or three. It, it was four. There was two four. muff punts and, and a blocked oh extra point God, and a blocked dude. field goal. I thought it was like three, two. Jesus. No. So uh, maybe instead of saying, well, that player wasn't very good or whatever, maybe you should blame the one guy who likes you enough to still work with he, you. He, uh, our, our, our friend, of the, friend of the program, Nick Almond, was saying uh, he, he can see something really disastrous happening with Brian Kelly, him being gone. And I was like, nah, dude, he's there for like four or five years, man, with that contract. I don't know about that anymore, man. He, <clears throat> he, he, he seems like the guy who wants to be the most outstanding person in the room. And there is that clip that we talked about before we went on here. Uh, of him in the press conference saying, oh, look, let's get started now with a late media crowd coming in. And the girl in the back goes, maybe if you win a game, I'll be on time. And he's just like, oh, shit, I'm not in Notre Dame anymore. I'm at yeah. the SEC where if you don't win, nobody gives a hell about you. Yeah, so great job, you absolute moron. But, uh, I mean, um, aside from Rip and Kelly, I thought Florida State looked fantastic in this game. I was very surprised just because <clears> – <throat> Their defense lost their best player, Jermaine Johnson, in years, and they still like they got two big transfers in Albany, Jared Verse, and UCF's Tatum Bethune, and they combined for ten tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, and two and a half sacks, and a block field goal. So they those portal additions, as well on offense, with a bunch of receivers like Oregon's Michael Pittman, Arizona State's Johnny Wilson, they combined for eight catches for 111 yards. So. Jordan Travis and all the transfer pullers they got have really shown that they've improved a little bit on a team that 
their their head coach is on the hot seat. They're at a two and a start right now, so they're in really good shape for a bowl game, in my opinion. Which I didn't think they're going to get this year. Yeah, they're looking good. Um, oh, what's that? We got to talk more shit about Brian Kelly. Uh, Kayshawn Booty doesn't look like he wants to play for him anymore. <laughs> yeah, it um, is. They can't get anything going in the run game unless it's Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I, I, I could I could not believe that they didn't get Kayshawn involved as much as they should have. He like, didn't look interested in playing. Yeah, it, it, this is just this is coaching. Um, again, this is culture and. I just don't think it, he can handle it anymore. It was just the most undisciplined play on their on their side of the ball in all aspects. I mean, they had that super targeting where he was the oh my defender was, was clearly trying to kill Jordan Travis. He was almost horizontal. I've never seen a bigger targeting call. And you know, it just cut to Kelly. He'd just be sitting there with no emotion. Like yeah, it, it, I I do agree now with Nick that that he might not make it very long down in the Bayou. Uh, lucky for him, they have a get-right game against Southern. They should win that game by a million. But Mississippi State comes to town next week in that air raid offense. You can't be feeling good about that if you're an LSU fan. Nope. Not one bit. Oof. Speaking of things you cannot be feeling good about, Old Dominion 20, Virginia Tech 17 to extend the Monarchs winning streak in this series to two games. I don't even really want to talk about ODU. I just want to talk about Tech here. Um, this is a two-game winning streak, like you just said, on Virginia Tech. Yes, you can say, oh, it's year zero for Brent Pry, and oh, he's got to recruit the Tidewater again because Fuente basically broke that pipeline. Um, I don't care for the excuses. This is a game you have to win 10 out of 10 times, and Virginia Tech has dropped it twice now. It's not a good look. Like if you're trying to recruit and you continually get getting beat by Old Dominion, by JMU in years, this is just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this yeah. I mean, Grant Wells was terrible. He yeah, threw oh. four interceptions, and a lot of them were really bad interceptions, too. Mm-hmm. These aren't like, you know, going back to West Virginia's game. These aren't, oh, the wide receiver had it bounce off his hands. He just made some idiotic Damn. throws. You're trying to tell me that the transfer quarterback from Marshall, who had an FBS lead total or FBS total, like highest total of interceptions last year, threw four picks last game. You're telling me that happened? Oh, well, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, yeah. This, I mean, but this game had everything though. Like, yeah, the coaches got stuck on the elevator. Yeah, a missnap on a field goal that was old in TD. That the coach is getting stuck in the elevator. Yeah, a, a, a monarch team puppy getting more attention for wearing Crocs in the game itself. Um, Listen, that dog deserved the attention. That dog was chill as hell. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. He's just hanging out. Yeah. He's helping the truth out. You gotta love it, folks. And uh, and then lastly, and I don't know if anything happened to this player or not, and I don't know if it was on purpose, but it sure looked like it when uh, the monarch fans were storming the field. A Virginia Tech player clearly like just went out of his oh, way. Yeah. Just uh, he was running in front of him, but you can clearly see that he leaned into a, a Monarch fan and just bundled the guy. Yeah, he he, clean, he cleaned him out. He already I, I did see he put a no tap apology up. Um, so clearly he was in the wrong there, but I, I don't think there's any further discipline. Yeah. All in all, hilarious game, and and going back to how nice Week One was. That was on Friday night, so you yeah. had. Just that was a nice little, four, a little foreplay going into the weekend. It's like, oh, this yeah. is this, getting that disgusting filth all over you. Like, hell yeah, this came. Uh, that shaped us up right for a nice Saturday. And 
other ACC teams barely avoiding similar fates. NC State beats East Carolina 21 to 20 because of college kickers. He missed a field goal badly at the end of the game. Uh, and then he missed an extra point that forced this field goal try. My question about this one is East Carolina, they're all sprinting to get the field goal team on the field. And then NC State calls a timeout. Uh, that's obviously it worked out, but that seems strange to me. Yeah. I would have just let them try to rush and, you know, maybe. Yeah make a mistake, have a false start because everyone's running out there, delay of game, what have you. But get, giving them time to get set was was a strange decision to me. This is very on-brand for NC State. It's, this is just like, oh, they're a 12-point favorite in a game, and oh, they didn't mean expectations. That's very on-brand. Um, yeah. I mean, this is like the most hyped-up NC State team in 20 years, and they almost start off the year off with an L from the ECU Pirates. Yeah, Devin Leary, that guy was getting a ton of hype during the game, preseason. Yeah. He was bad, 17 of 33, 211. I not, never – Not I, impressive at all. I never really got the hype. He always consistently ranked middle of the pack in, like, pass efficiency and all those, like, metric stats. He never was, like, a guy – I mean, he's been a proven commodity to get it done offensively, but, I mean, he struggled mightily in this game. Yeah, he just looked – he just looked bad. I, I, I just – there's just no other way to say it. I just kind of kept waiting – for him to settle in because uh, he, he was pretty good last year. And for as feisty as ECU is, this is a team NC State should be handling pretty easily. Oh yeah. Yeah. But um, um, he just, he was just net. He just never seemed comfortable. Yeah. And I mean, anything to take away on both teams. I think there's a running back on NC State that could be a breakout star this year. Um, I might butcher his name here. It's a sophomore running back, Demi Sumo Krongbang. Um, who had 14 carries for 79 yards, but he looked he looked had a lot he had a lot of pop on his runs, yeah. which I liked. Um, but <clears throat> and also with the Pirates, I just think this was probably even if they didn't win, then they could have won with that kick. I know Mike Houston kind of has been rocking on the edge with the ECU team, but this could be a positive sign for the fourth year coach. I think so. Yeah, and you know they're playing ODU this weekend, so uh... yeah. If they beat ODU, they're at least as good as one ACC team. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the ACC, in truly one of the most insane games I've ever seen. Yeah. North the... Carolina, 60. <sighs> App State, 61. App State scored zero points in the third quarter and 40. Yeah. 40 in the fourth. And they still lost. And they still. Uh, I, I, I had to take a shower after this game, man. I mean, that was. Hot damn, dude. Um, <clears throat> my boy Gene Chizit, you probably should have said retired, bud. Yeah, uh, I know working within Phil Longo's offense can be frustrating for defensive coordinators because the offense scores so quickly, the defense can be extremely gassed, but that's no excuse. Um, Chase Bryce for App State went absolutely crazy through six touchdowns, 10 yards of completion. Oh, yeah, I mean, both, both quarterbacks State went off. Had 288 yards rushing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to your point, Drake May for for North Carolina, three hundred fifty two yards passing, ten point one yards in attempt, two hundred fifteen yards on the ground. Defense was just wholly optional in this game. This and- this this game should never have been close for UNC. Um, just, no. it was it was just it's just because of bad coaching. I want to arrest Mac Brown. I want to arrest Citizen Arrest Gene Chizik. I mean, who doesn't tell their players? 
when an onside kick happens, fall on the ball, and that's game. Why would you pick the ball up and score a touchdown with 40 seconds on the clock when you have App State with 33 points already in the fourth quarter? <laughs> Why would you do that? That was that was bizarre. Um, and then I, you really got to feel for App State because they had two chances at a two-point conversion to win the game and miss them both. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that hurts. That, I mean, that game was insane. Uh, App State travels to Texas A&M this weekend. I think that might be one to keep an eye out on. Yeah. Um, I forget who UNC plays. I'm sure it's nobody that exciting. The website is loading. Oh, they play Georgia State. So they should be able to handle that. Okay, let's get to everyone's favorite segment, studs and duds. Patrick, why don't you start us off with your stud? My stud, I'm going to do team base this week. Um, my stud this week is the Arizona. Um, Jed Fish, who has one win in two years, started off with a 38-20 to 20 win against the Brady Hoke-led San Diego State University Aztecs, those Mountain West sometime favorites. Um, <clears throat> the ex-Wazoo quarterback, Jaden DeLora, threw four touchdowns, and ex-UTEP wide receiver Jacob Counting had eight catches for 150 yards and three touchdowns. This was a big, big, big win for Arizona. Um, <clears throat> for a team that's been down and out for a while, kind of a joke, not Kansas-level jokes, but just no one really pays attention. A coach that has had to fight back, get players to recommit, has been recruiting really well behind the scenes. This is a huge win for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This, like you said, this is such a big win for the program and really shows such a, a positive step. And, hey, given how the rest of the conference played, maybe they're the best team in the Pac-12. That's right. Uh, my stud is John Reese Plumley, formerly of Ole Miss, mm. uh, both football and baseball. I know this is just South Carolina State, but he – through for 308 yards, uh, just under 10 yards uh, an attempt, four touchdowns and rushed for an 86, and including another touchdown, had a nice highlight reel uh, rushing touchdown and a 56-10 win for the Knights. That's nice. Uh, my dud is Texas A&M. Oh, brother, here we go again with these absolute bozos <laughs> just barely being able to move the ball against Sam Houston. I know. Sam Houston, they're a good FCS team. Give me a break. Give me a break. When you got the, the rushing in this team. game, three point four yards a carry. Mm. I, I I thought we had all these fucking five stars who were going to totally change the game. You know, we're all wearing our milkman outfits. We're all talking about how AM's built different. We got this oil money. I was paying five dollars a gallon for gas this summer. I thought the gas money was just to buy something down A and M. All it's buying me is a snoozer. This team stinks. I'm done with them. Yeah, I don't think – I think it's Jimbo Fisher. Um, he can get all the guys he wants, but I, from what I've seen, it, uh, he can't translate that talent on the field. So, yeah, that's something to watch with App State rolling in. And, you know, it could be Saturday we're talking about this next week and be like, oh, a and one by 40. But they're definitely a team to watch being a top 10 team, and they're definitely going to be a team that's going to drop a dumb one coming up soon. Yeah. And yeah, they just, they're just, they're just not impressive. Yep. Just classic. It was just watching this game said, Oh boy, they just look like they're stuck in molasses on offense. 
Yeah, I I tried watching this game, but it was delayed for a while. Yeah. Um, but that like few seconds I flip over, it's like I don't give a shit. This looks awful. Yeah. All right, Patrick, who's your dud? My dud is the entire ACC. Um, Oof, stinky. Good. I mean, the Pac-12 sucked, but I mean, ACC. First off, we talked about ODU and Virginia Tech. That's bad. Beat Boston College losing the Rutgers. That could be worse. Um. ECU almost beating my dark horse, NC State. Not great. Mm-hmm. UNC getting 60 dropped on them by Appalachian State. Not great. Clemson struggling against Georgia Tech in the first half. Yikes. And um, one thing that we didn't talk about. Oh, and UVA struggling with Richmond for a while, too. Not a good look. Yep. One thing that we haven't, like, no one really paid attention to was, you remember Louisville and Malik McCullough? Uh, Cunningham and yep. a quarterback and a coach that may or may not be in the hot seat. Yeah, they got their ass kicked 31-7 by Syracuse. Ooh, a bad Syracuse team as well. Yes. Um, so nobody wants to win this damn conference in my eyes. No. I mean, yeah, we, we can briefly touch on Clemson here. They looked awful as well. A, a lot very similar to last year. Um, the defense is great. Uh, DJ Uyangale looks like he's just not it. No, um, uh, Kate Klubnik went in uh, towards the end of the game. I think just because they're finally finally up by enough to put in the backups. But he, I think, led one drive and it resulted in a touchdown. So I mean, if I'm Dabo, put him in. Put him in the game next week. Start him in the game. Let's see what happens. Like if he puts gets the offense humming, I think DJ is done. Yeah, I think for whatever reason, Dabo just seems really hesitant to do that, but he probably shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, luckily for Clemson, the rest of the conference stinks, so yeah. they have plenty of time to figure it out. And they're, I mean, they're playing Furman this weekend, so. Yep. Okay, let's get to our week two preview. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, okay, never mind. Let's get to our week two preview. Alabama takes on Texas. Texas is 19 and a half point underdogs at home. This is just Nick Saban's third ever true road out of conference game. Nick Saban fraud. Yeah. <laughs> Big fraud. Um, yeah. This is going to be not a tough game. I don't think this, this is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, uh, Sarkeesian's already talking about how, their real goal this season is to be in the Big 12 championship game. Um, yeah. He looks okay. like he's just he's just sandbagging already, just getting people ready for this 40-point loss. Alabama destroyed Utah State last weekend. It's Utah State, but hey, that was a Mountain West Conference champion team. They ended the year ranked, but Alabama pushed them aside. Just That, that game was so they, they, Alabama looked really good. Um if you look dig deeper, I think how I talked about Georgia's defensive efficiency being a concern, I think Alabama's offensive efficiency might be a problem. But, I mean, Bryce Young did put up Heisman-level numbers. Um, <clears throat> I think he went 18 for 28 for 100, 195 yards and five touchdowns, but he also added 100 on the ground. Um, yeah. But other than that, Jameer Gibbs didn't really get much going. Um, yes, he was 9 for 93, but, I mean, didn't really come on until late. 11 people caught the ball for the Tide, and I do think that might be a depth issue, not a quality talent uh, thing, just because they're trying to figure out who's going to step up in that role with how they lost so many wide receivers from last season. I mean, Jermaine Burton went over there from Georgia, 
<clears throat> to maybe be the one, number one wide receiver because he was tired of getting the ball spread out. But 11 people caught the ball last weekend. So it seems like he walked right back into the same situation on a different yeah. team. Um, <clears throat> but Texas, yeah, they got a quarterback when yours. Um, but he has to face an elite defense against a tide. And I'm, I'm going to take the tide 10 out of 10 yeah. times. Uh, our, our first listener question here comes from Tim. He says, is Texas back enough to keep this game within 20? Damn. Um, well, that's for, that's for all you at home, that that's the spread. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, no, I just, I know Texas has a lot of really good skill position players. B. John Robinson is one of the best running backs in the country. Quinn Ewers is really talented. Um, they, they have that good wide out. His name I am forgetting right now. Um, his name is yes. His name is Xavier Worthy. That is exactly. I was just testing you. Um, yes, but I, I think I, I saw a freshman D tackle for Alabama blow up a run play and take out four linemen Jesus. last weekend. Yeah. I just, I just don't. And I, I think that's just what it comes down to. Alabama yeah. just has those hosses on the lines. And, yeah, and well, I, I think well, Texas Anderson, might score a little, but I, I just don't. I just don't think they'll be able to keep yeah. it close. Will Anderson, safety Jordan Battle, linebacker Henry Toa Toa will be something to watch. Um, Bajan Robinson really didn't get anything going last week. He only went 10 for 71 against ULM. So I don't think he's, I think he's probably going to do about that Saturday. Um, but I would really like this game to be fun to watch. I, I really wish maybe going into the second half of the third quarter, Texas being within two scores, like, I don't know. Could they do it? But Alabama is probably going to run away with this one. Yeah, they're they're in war machine mode, unfortunately for the rest of us. But yeah, I, I'd I'd like to at least have this game carry me till two thirty Eastern, uh, which is the start of the, the Notre Dame game. So yeah, just just give me a half of it being semi interesting. Yeah, and now to talk about that Notre Dame Marshall game. Just kidding. <laughs> Elsewhere in the SEC, we have South Carolina is at Arkansas. Arkansas is nine point favorites. Um, we talked about Arkansas a little bit beating Cincinnati. Um, you know, South Carolina didn't look great playing Georgia State, but no. Georgia State's not a bad team. Um, this, I think, is going to be one of the more interesting games of the weekend because this is going to be Rattler's first real test in the SEC, and I'm really interested to watch that. I'm taking Arkansas on the points. I'm, I'm taking Arkansas by two scores. Um, you can lock that one up. Two scores? We're, we're locking it up. Yeah. Uh, 10 points or more, just because, like, Spencer Rattler didn't look that great against Georgia State. Come on, man. Like, that's a tune-up game for the big one. And here you are, the big one, the first SEC game of the season. Um, I mean, the, the, this game, the, so USC won 35-14 at Georgia State. Um, if you take away two punt blocks, one that set up a touchdown and one that was for a touchdown, you got a very close ball game here against Georgia State. Um, and Arkansas looked much better against a much better team than Cincinnati. So I, I, I'm just going to take Arkansas here. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Arkansas too. For, for me, I think Arkansas will win pretty easily. Like we, we talked about this during our previews. I think having that established identity uh, that Arkansas does with KJ Jefferson, with Sanders, um, with Sam Pittman's whole deal, I think that's going to be the advantage here. But yeah. The, the big thing for me is, is I just really do want to watch Rattler. Yes. I, I want to go back to like, I'm not trying to rip on South Carolina, which yes, is kind of sound like, kind I, of sound, I, yeah, it kind I of sounded like I was, so it, it will be fun to watch Spencer Rattler for sure. But I don't, I don't think we're going to be seeing Spencer Rattler this weekend, just going into our Fayetteville 
is going to be tough, tough game. Yeah, that game is also at noon. So hopefully either that or that Alabama-Texas game is good. Um, because we, we kind of got slim pickings here. We, we have two more SEC games. Um, but after that, ugh. so our first SEC game is Kentucky, Florida. Both these teams rocketed up the rankings mysteriously. Then I saw it was a night game on ESPN and it all made a little more sense. Uh, I'm staying woke on that. Kentucky blew out some Bozo team. I don't even remember who it was. And, and like we said, Fl- Florida beat Utah in, in, in a tight one. I. Florida is favored by six points here off the strength of what? I'm not quite sure. Um, Vegas always knows something. I'm taking Kentucky and and I'm taking Kentucky outright here. I like it. I like it. I like it. Great, great pick, my friend. Great pick. Um, This definitely will be a better test to see what we saw with the Gators against the Utes was for real. Um, The Gators are going uh, going up against a pretty solid quarterback that rates better than Camp Rising and Will Levis, who did go – 21 for 32, three or three, and three scores against Miami of Ohio last week. That's a team, some no-name team. Um, yep. They do have some good wide receivers, um, Kentucky, uh, Tavion Robinson. Um, they have a very, very good backfield, leading with Cavassier Smoke. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, like shooting – we talked about it earlier. Shooting Florida at number 12 is way too much of a drastic move right now. Um, and I'm with you in the wokeness. NCAA's is doing this to field a matchup on a pretty boring weekend slate. Yeah, they they looked at it. And they said, "Oh, we've got we've got one other rank, two other other rank matchups. Let's juice these boys." Yeah, um, I, I expect Will Levis to do well in this game, and I, I think the Gators might play well, but I think Kentucky might slide away with this one. Yeah, and I, and I think ultimately I could be wrong, and Florida could play really well, but right now I'm just not willing to trust them. Uh, off one game, and Kentucky's got a, a very talented defense. I don't know if Richardson doing those those pump fakes and stuff is is going to work out so well for him. Yeah. Another SEC game, uh, a game I think could be, well, you know, maybe not. We we talked about this with Narduzzi. Tennessee travels to Pitt. Uh, Tennessee is a touchdown favorite. Last I saw. Um, I think this game could be, yeah, six and a half. I think this game could be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be fun to, because I think Tennessee fans, our friend Adam, who came on the podcast to preview Tennessee, uh, two minutes into the Tennessee's opening game against Paul State, I just got a text in all caps, Hendon Hooker. Uh, Tennessee fans are fired up right now. They're, yeah. they're, they're feeling themselves, and, and I think they should be, frankly. Um, and this is going to be their first real chance. It's, it's a ranked team. It's on the road. I, I know it's just the ACC, but um, I, this could be a big win for them. Yeah, uh, lock it up this one too. Tennessee by touchdown for sure. Um, if we if we see Pat Narducey's offense that I saw last week, Tennessee's running away with this one. Um, Hendon Hooker looked great coming out week one. 18 for 25, 221 and two scores. And they have an amazing ground game led by Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. They combined for like 150, I think. So um, there is a little concern with Pitt's front that let West Virginia run the ball in them. That was a bad running team for a while. Um, So I think this offense is going to eat, and I'm going to take Tennessee on this one. Yeah, I like Tennessee as well. I think – I, I think we're going to see something sort of similar last week, West Virginia, where this turns into a bit of a shootout. And I don't know if Pitt has the 
want or the will to play that style of game. Yeah, I'm sure Narduni sure doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Slove is pretty good, but he I, is. I like the Vols here. I like the Vols to win this game and really. I, I, how about this one? I, I think the Vols will win by you know a, maybe a couple touchdowns, and then the hype machine is really going to get going. Yeah. Our next one, this is a pretty great game. Uh, it's out west. It starts at 10.30. Yes. Noon, I think so. Pac-12 at dark. Yeah, and it's there's no Pac-12 teams playing. No, it's crazy. It's great. It's a rare non-Pac-12 team after dark. So BYU, uh, after blowing out South Florida 50-21 to 21 last week, they, I mean, this game was over before it even started. It was 28 nothing after one, and, and BYU just, just ran all over them. Jaron Hall looked like he was going against air. Um, takes on Baylor, who played Albany, which is a lacrosse school last time I checked. Uh, Baylor won that game 69-10. to 10. So there wasn't a lot of takeaways you could have for either team no. in these games. Blake Shapin, the newly appointed quarterback for Baylor, was very efficient, 214 yards. You know, while that's not impressive, we just spent a lot of time crapping on teams who couldn't do that against lesser opponents. So I think being able to do that is a positive sign. Yeah, I think this is going to be, for both teams, a test of what they are on offense. Um, I know Baylor's been trying to figure out who's going to be the new lead back with Richard Reese, Quaylen Jones, and Tay McWilliams. They all got over five carries, so it seems like they're going by a committee approach right now. Um, I will say their wide receiver, Monaway Baldwin, is a guy to watch against the BYU secondary. Um, But the same thing on the other side with uh, BYU. Uh, Their running back, Christopher Brooks, went off against UCF or USF um, yeah. and looked really good. Uh, 135 for one score and 13 carries. Um, but not a lot of people stood out to me out wide. So both sides of offense have some identity issues there that are still being worked out. But I, I do think this will be, if you're up late, you know, maybe had a little too late of a coffee or something, this will be a really fun game to watch late night. Yeah. You know what BYU's problem out wide is, is they don't have one of the Romney cousins. That's true. <laughs> That's, that, there's your guy right there. Um, yeah, so I think that game's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, BYU's a three-point favorite. I think I'm going to take BYU. Being out there late in the mountains it scares me. I don't I don't know if, if Baylor's delicate sensibilities can, can hold up. I'm going to take Baylor. Um, I like Dave Rand a lot, so – I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what Blake's shaping. I think I'm gonna take him over Jared Hall. Um, I'm gonna take Baylor. Yeah, yeah. with the points. More, more anti-Mormon sentiment from Patrick. That's right. I mean, yeah, fundamentalist, right? Yeah. Okay, let's get to. We got a couple of listener questions here. Uh, our first one is from Nick. He says, after last week's performance, do you see Florida being a ten-win team? I, I I don't. That's just too much, too fast for me. Uh yeah yeah no thanks it's a a classic I mean Anthony Richardson looked great but just people are immediately comparing him to Vince new Vince Young and it's a classic just week one overreaction and I'm sure we've had some week one overreactions recording tonight but that one's huge to me no we we definitely we definitely haven't particularly not me in Texas A and M that will not come back to buy me whatsoever (laughs) made two scores against uh, Arkansas yeah yeah we're we're always correct and unbiased. I have been keeping tally of everything that we say in our predictions. I just want to say throughout our history of the podcast, we're 100 for, we're 100% across the board. You well, can't fact check us. 
See, I just because like we're we're committed to the science and uh, accountability. I've also been ca- tracking our predictions, double blind study, um, and I also have a hundred percent accuracy. That's right. Uh, but yeah, but but Florida, you, you look at the schedule. If you you squint at it a certain way, uh, especially if they get by Kentucky on, on Saturday, you say maybe I, I see ten wins here. Um, but you know, teams like Vanderbilt have a bit of a pulse now. A team like South Carolina, Florida State, and as well as Anthony Richardson played uh, Georgia. I mean, it, it, it's hard to see Florida uh, winning that game at, at this point of the year. Yeah, that's very true. Um, do you have any other games that you're looking forward to this weekend? Or I know you're going to be in Colorado for a wedding. Um, yeah. Is, is there any other interesting games that you would like to see? Um, Wazoo, Wisconsin. I love a nice weird non-con game like that. Um, I was a little more interested in Houston, Texas Tech when Shuck was healthy. Uh, but that still could be interesting. USC Stanford, no matter who loses that game, I win. And then I'm looking forward to Marshall Notre Dame just to kind of get that taste of the loss out of my mouth. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, I think uh, Virginia, Illinois is going to be a weird one at 4 o'clock on ESPNU. Um, That will be kind of just like a a game to maybe check in every once in a while. Um, Notre Dame Marshall for an upset alert. I'm I'm just just kidding. (laughs) Oh, I, what I've seen is an upset alert the same for Georgia, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, uh, Duke-Northwestern is a game I might switch to just because what I saw from Duke last week was really big for that program, and they're going against Northwestern. That's not that great, but they're coming off a win in uh, Nebraska. That's just going to be – if Duke can get 2-0, and they're going to be looking really good going into the rest of the season. Two undefeated powerhouses. That's right. A game I'm kind of looking at for sicko potential is we, we talked about how bad Louisville was against Syracuse last week, and they traveled to the bounce house to take on UCF on, on Friday night. I think UCF might kill them and yeah. really accelerate the Satterfield out timeline. Um, yeah. Okay. So our last question is from our friend Scotty B. And he asked which of the top 25 teams was the biggest unpleasant surprise last week. And it's really hard not to say Oregon for me. Granted, they did play Georgia, so it's a little eh, on that one. But I think Oregon's the leader in the clubhouse. NC State was not impressive either. I think that might be my second one Um, because that's a game – they have a lot of expectations – that's a game they should have won easily. You know, North Carolina, you can, you can point to that as well, but that wasn't so much of a surprise for me. We knew that defense was going to struggle. Yeah, I, I'm going to lean – I was going to lean Oregon just because they just couldn't do shit. Um, but no te- Texas A&M, man, that, that was pretty unpleasant. Um, like in Sam Houston, that wasn't a fun game to watch at any aspect of it. No. So maybe AM can get it on track this weekend against App State. That that's another one that maybe keeping an eye on. I think App State's gonna be a little emotionally spent. I think AM's probably gonna come off a little uh pissed off after that performance against Sam Houston. So I'm not feeling good about our our mountaineers there. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you for joining us for another delightful in-season episode of Serial Bulls. It's great to be back in the swing of things. Uh, make sure to check out Serial Bulls Radio. We got episode two coming at you very soon. Go dogs.